Testing. Welcome. Y'all ready to worship the Lord today? We are still standing and want we just welcome you to worship with us this morning as we declare that this this new year. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, for your presence today. We've come to worship you, Lord. You gave me courage to believe. Yes, you did. All your goodness, I will see. All your goodness, I will see. If it hadn't been for you, and if it had not been for you, standing on my side, where would I be? If not for your goodness, if not for your grace, I don't know where I would be today. If not for your kindness, I never could say I'm still standing. If not for your mercy, if not for your love, most likely would have given up if not for your favor i never could say i'm still standing but by the grace of god oh, 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 oh. so we sing to the lord we're still standing thank you jesus for your grace oh, oh, oh. to you i lift my set my heart on higher things and set my heart on higher things if it hadn't been for you come on let's tell them for if it had not been for you standing on my side where would i be if not for your goodness if not for your grace i don't know where i would be today if not for your kindness, I never can say I'm still standing. Not for your mercy, not for your Jesus. Love. Not for your love. I most likely, I likely you would have given up. I never could say that I'm still standing. But by the grace of God. Come on, how many of us can say that this morning? That it's 
by his grace. Amen. Come on, we're in a new year. We believe it's 2020 W-O-N. Amen. We've got the victory. Come on, help me sing and say, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. Oh, yes, I am. I'm still standing. It's put by the grace of God. If not for your goodness, if not for your grace, I don't know where I would be today. Not for your kindness, I never can say I'm still standing. If not for your mercy, if not for your love, I most likely would have given up. Not for your favor, I never can say I'm still standing. I'm standing. by the word of our testimony. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're worthy. We give you all the praise. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph My God will never fail Come on, do you believe that? Say, my God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord come on do you believe that today the battle belongs to him amen how oh, we worship you in this place there's no one like you Lord oh you're worthy Jesus cause there's power in the mighty name of Jesus do you believe that? And every war he wages, he will win. And I'm not backing down from any giants. Cause I know how the story ends. Say, I know. I know how the story ends. I'm gonna see a victory. A victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs. The battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. Come on, just sing it out in the atmosphere. The battle belongs. You know everything that's going on in our life And you're pulling us through Yes, you are Because you take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good Come on, let's just sing that out so You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good 
turn it for good. Come on, let's sing it out like we believe it this morning. Oh, yeah. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You're turning it around for me. Yes, you are. You will take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. Yes, you turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it. Come on, somebody get excited about that today. Whatever the enemy's brought your way, just know you're on the winning side. Oh, you take it, Lord, and you turn it for good. Turn it for good. We believe it, Jesus. Come on, just prophetically declare that this morning. Battle, we give it to you this morning. I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs. Battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory, yes. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs. Come on, somebody get excited about that today. We're going to see a victory. We give the battle to you, Jesus. We trust you, Lord. You're mighty in battle. The battle belongs to you, Lord. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. Yes, you do. Come on, say. You turn it for good. Do you believe it? Come on. You God, that this is going to be a year of victory. This is going to be a year, God, that you're going to, uh, we're going to see uh, the fruit of our labor in 2020. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you are all powerful, that there is nothing that's impossible for you. God, we've come this morning ready to receive. We ask that the Holy Spirit would have its way, have your way. We surrender to you. We thank you, God, for healings and miracles, for signs and wonders to be released. We thank you that you are an, a miraculous God. We praise you, Father, for what you have done, but we're expected of what's to come. In Jesus' name we pray. You may be seated. We're so glad that each of you are here this morning, uh, and I know that God is going to do an incredible work in our lives. Amen. All right. Happy New Year. It's time to praise the Lord in our giving, and I'm just going to share with you in just a moment in a scripture, but I'm super excited about this year. But I want to challenge you is that, um, you know, I, I've gone through some of these trainings and life coaches and stuff. And, you know, they say by people that make New Year's resolutions, by the time February comes around, it's done. Like, it's over with. And, and I remember uh, several years ago, I was moved into a new job and I wrote out my goals and I submitted it to a manager and she ripped them up. And she said, don't ever set goals again because goals are wide. She said, you need to be precise and you need to set objectives with attainable steps. And I'm going to tell you spiritually, come on, uh, not only in our business world, not only in our finances, not only in our personal life, but spiritually we need to have objectives, amen, that we grow. Come on, it, it's January 3rd. Come on, hopefully you've been in your Bible the last three days, amen. Come on, we got to live come on, come on, on his word, amen. And so I just challenge you why it's the beginning of the year. Go ahead and make it an objective in your life to read his word every day. 
You know, Jesus said, I have food you not know of. And you know what? There is spiritual nourishment. Come on, we are body, soul, and spirit, and we need to be healthy in the body. Come on, we need to have joy and, 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 and love life and have healthiness in our soul. But come on, we need to be spiritually healthy too. Amen. So I, I, I was reading uh, on January 1st, I was reading the Word of God, and uh, I go through the one-year Bible. That's just something I do so that it makes me, keeps me on target for at least 15, 20 minutes a day reading the Word and praying uh, uh, before work and all that wonderful stuff and I was reading Psalms chapter 1 and I'm like man if I could just live out these first three verses it's going to be a good year but the first one it says blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sits in the company of mockers but those who delight in the law of the Lord come on those who delight in the word of God and who meditate it on his law day and night and God's like that's it we just need to meditate upon his word day and night. Come on, when your mind starts to get anxious, come on, when you start to think about things that are ungodly, you have to shift those thoughts and say, no. Come on, I see a victory. Come on, it's the year 2021. Come on, come on, I am a blessed. Come on, I am the head and I am not the tail. Come on, and there's favor upon my house. Come on, the blood of the lamb has redeemed me. Amen. Come on, and my generational line is secure through the word of God. Amen. And it says, blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night. And I love this. It says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. You don't see trees in the deserts. There's no water to feed them. There's no spirit. The spirit, this water represents the Holy Spirit. And when you don't have the water, come on, you can't be planted. And um, those, that person is planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Come on. If you're planted in the house of God and you're meditating upon his word, you are going to yield fruit in the correct season. Amen. And those whose leaves do not wither. And this is the last part that challenges me whatever they do prospers come on how would you like to be a person that said i'm so planted in the word of god come on i'm so planted in the house of god i meditate upon his word day and night that's the only thing that filtrates through my mind and whatever i do come on I preached about this last week about Abraham and Lot. Wherever a Lot went, Abraham went the opposite way, and it was because the blessing of God on Abraham. It wasn't the territory. Amen? It was the blessing. Come on. The blessing of God on your life. Whatever you do can prosper. Amen? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to give. Father, we come to worship you this morning in our, in our giving, Lord, and our, in our tithes and offerings, Lord God. And Father, I just pray that this Psalms chapter 1 would become uh, alive in our life. Amen. Father, that we would meditate upon your word day and night, Lord God. Father, I pray that people need breakthrough, Lord God, that you would visit them. Father, those that are, that are weary, Lord God, Father, that you would renew them. Come on, as your word says, oh God, the, older, the outer man is perishing, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. Father, we thank you for the opportunity and honor to be able to give into your house. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, you may bring your gift to the back as we check out this video. Times that we're living in is very interesting, to say the least. And uh, we don't know from one day to the next what what uh, is is before us. Uh, we don't know if there's going to be shutdowns. We don't know if there's going to be uh, new regulations or whatever uh, taking place. And this is not something that's just for 
our state, our city, or our country. This is all over the world. And uh, what I'm finding in the Word of God, I think, is God is about to show off. God is about to do some incredible things that is going to not only uh, show His people that He still rules and reigns, but He's showing the world that He rules and reigns. And I think it's interesting throughout Scripture we begin to find uh, events that have taken place in time where that God was showing out, He was showing off, and he was showing people that he was still God. And I think today we need God in our life. We need the presence of God in our life more so than ever before. And uh, I think he comes to a decision of what are we going to do? What, what are, how are we going to receive his word? And how are we going to follow his word? Uh, when, when we look in Genesis, or I mean in Exodus, we begin to find the children of Israel uh, in captivity for over 430 years. And in this time, they were enslaved in 400 of those years and in bondage. And, and we, we can make comparisons in our life today that there are bondages that we have in our life uh, that we need to be free from, uh, that we need, we need the presence of God. And I, I say it this way many times, if you could have gotten over it, you would have done it yourself already. But the problem is, many times we, need, we, we can't get over some things. We have to have the presence of God, or the hand of God begin to, needs to move in our life to set us free. The Word says, he who the Son sets free is indeed free. And, and, and when we look at the passages and we see the comparisons in the Old Testament, New Testament, and see how God uh, gives us opportunity. He gives us moments. He gives us time uh, to repent. He gives us time uh, uh, to deal with ourselves. I, I tell people all the time, you know, uh, uh, Jesus did what he was going to do. And we have to do what we need to do. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it tells us that uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then it tells us that we need to take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. So God doesn't do everything. He can. But he leaves up to us many times that we need to do something on our own, that we need to take hold of our enemy and grab him by the throat. And I'm not talking about your next door neighbor. I'm not talking about the person that's around you. I'm talking about that that has you bound and that that has you captive and keeps you from being what you want to be and being what God has called you to be, one of his servants. In verse 17 of Exodus chapter 13, and it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was, uh, that was near. In other words, he was saying, we're not going to bring you through the land of the Philistines because we don't want you to encounter war. We don't want you to see war. And we don't want this to be a time that fear grips a hold of you. We want you to travel in peace. So they took a long route. It could have took the short route, but they would have had to go through, through the land of some, some more of their enemies. And God said, let's pre-adventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up uh, uh, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. Joseph, Joseph had insight in the past of what was going to happen in the future. And he's saying, surely the Lord's going to visit you. And when he visits you, I want you to carry my bones into the presence where God is. I, I think that's a, that's a pretty, pretty good um, uh, projection from Joseph saying, I am so confident that God is about to do something that I want you to carry my bones if I die before this thing takes place. I want you to carry my bones so my bones can encounter or experience this. Verse 20, verse 20 and they took their journey uh, from Sukkoth, I believe is how you pronounce it, and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. 
when you begin to look at the maps of, uh, of their journey, you begin to find that God actually began to lead them to a place that it felt to them as though they were surrounded and trapped, couldn't go anywhere. They're sitting and God's, God's providing for them. God's meeting their needs on a daily basis. God's showing them that he's real, he's alive, he's well, he's embracing them. He's hoping that people can, can turn away from their past and move into the future, into the promised land. And I think there are times in our life that, that uh, God wants to show out in our life. And he brings us to a place that, that he sees as being peace. But our perception sees that we're trapped. I don't know about you, but I want to be trapped with God. I want him to trap me in a place where that it might not look as though it's the greatest thing, but he sees greater than what I see. He knows more than I know. He thinks on a higher plane that I could ever think on. And it might not look exactly the way I want it to look, but God's got it all in control. I think God's got this thing in control. I think in the next several months, we're going to see some, some uh, moves of God or the hand of God begin to move. And we're going to see changes take place, not only in the, in the believer's life that are believers right now, but I believe that the whole world is going to see that God is real and God is alive. Uh, in verse, verse uh uh, 21, and the Lord went before them in the day in a pillar of, cl of a cloud and led them the way and by the night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go day by day, night by night, uh, knowing that God's with them. He took not away the pillar of the cloud of, of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before uh, the people. You know, he stayed with them and, and, and gave them security. He gave them an understanding that he was there with them and he would never leave them. You know, I, I, I think in, in the word of God, it tells us very clearly that he will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. This is an interesting journey that the children of Israel are on in this moment, in this time. They were in bondage for 400 years, 430 years. There was 30 years of, of peace that took place when they went to Egypt. And then after that, they were enslaved. It's interesting how that the enemy works. The enemy works and wants to give you some kind of peace in an area that can lead you into danger. It's interesting how he comes into our life and he wants to, to bring us some type of, of uh, joy, uh, some kind of peace or, or what we misinterpret as joy and peace, but, but it's some kind of satisfaction for the moment. But after that moment is gone, he's got you. You know, it's, it's like a habit. I think it was Zig Ziglar said, if you want to form a habit in your life, do any one thing 21 consecutive times and you'll form a habit. It's easy to form habits in your life. Just keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And what will happen is you will do those things without thinking about it after a while. It just becomes second nature to you. I was driving the other day going, going in the course that I usually go in all the time, but I was going to a different destination. And I found myself that my mind began to drift and I found myself turning in my normal routine, not going to the place that I wanted to go. Have you ever done something like that? You say, well, pastor, it's kind of silly to do something like that. I think all of us have done that at some time or another. We go to the refrigerator having intentions to get something and we get there and we forget what we were going there for. And we reach in and we grab, is this what I came for? It's distractions in life that keep us from fulfilling what we're wanting to do or what our intentions are doing or wanting. I believe that every one of us have great intentions. Every one of us have good intentions, but it's what we have, deep, have embedded deep down inside that keeps us from fulfilling what we really want to do and we want to accomplish. You know, in this, in this deal, I guess, um, I guess after looking at this, we find that uh, uh, Moses and Aaron, uh, for the final time, Pharaoh permits them to leave. And the reason that he permits them to leave is because the firstborn of all Egyptians now have now died. Can you imagine the wailing, the grief, and, and the things that are taking place in Egypt 
as a result of all the firstborn, not just the, the, the firstborn cattle and not just the firstborn sheep, but their children also. There was sorrow in that land. Now, the Israelites were not encountering this. It was only in the house of the Egyptians. And in this, because of the grief and because of the heaviness upon that, they were willing to give the Israelites anything that they asked for just to get them away from them. And so they came and they asked for gold. They asked for silver. They asked for clothing. And the Egyptians were glad to give that to them. You know, some people say that, that they stole that. They, they took that. No, what happened was that God put favor upon the children of Israel's heads to the point that Egyptians didn't want anything to do with them because of their God. And because of their God blessing them and their God protecting them and their God bringing the frogs and bringing the fleas and bringing all the plagues that was there, the Egyptians got tired of dealing with their God. And now it came to the place that it touched their life in a way that only God could do. And they said, look, you'll take whatever you want and go. And they gathered the gold, they gathered the silver, they gathered all those things. And some people say that, well, that was recompense for, for, for what they went through for 400 years. However you want to slice it, dice it, whatever, it really doesn't matter. The reality of it was that God gave favor to the children of Israel in the eyes of the enemy. In the eyes of the one that had them captured, that had them in bondage, that had them enslaved. They go on their journey. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh wakes up. I'm not saying that he was sleeping. What I'm saying is he began to realize what just took place. He said, they have all the gold, they have all the silver, and they've left, and now we're going to have to do all the work. And Pharaoh began to get angry. The word tells us that God set Pharaoh up, that he would be, have such hatred and such anger towards the Israelites that he would pursue them. Now, in this plan, God didn't lay everything out to the children of Israel. Even in God's plan today, God hasn't laid out all of his plan to us. We have to walk by faith, knowing that God is well able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think or even imagine. So in our wildest dreams, in our accumulated thought process and, and our objectives that we can throw out on the table, well, I think this and I think that, we still can't match what God's strategy is. I think we're about to see some things in the next couple of months that's going to blow our mind. I think that we're going to see some incredible moments that it may bring us to a place of fear it may be, bring us to a place that we feel like we're trapped. It may bring us to a place that we don't understand what's going on. And we might say, like the children of Israel, I want to go back to the way it used to be. I say, I don't want to go back to the way it used to be. I want to go to the place where God intends for us to live. I want to go to the place that God intended for man, for his servants, for his people to live in his favor, to live in his blessings, to go in and take territory, to go in and have things. I'm not talking about personal possessions, but I believe that he's going to bring personal possessions into his people's lives. We see it over and over in scripture. I believe that we're living in a time that there is a transition taking place. But we've come to the Red Sea. We've come to a place that a wilderness we have walked through, and we, we're in a, a place where the, the only area that we could go to is to the Red Sea. Because Pharaoh now is following behind us. Pharaoh now, the enemy, is coming to recapture us, to take his gold, to take his silver, to strip us of what possessions we have and, and bring us back into a place of bondage. It's interesting how 
that there's moments that we have freedom in our life and then, then all of a sudden we wonder, how in the world did I get back here? What took place? How in the world did this come upon me once again when I was free? Well, it's because we yielded ourselves and we didn't walk in the faith that we needed to walk in. And it was more comfortable for us to go back to the way it was because we had been so trained and we became so used to living that way. I think God wants us to live in a level or in a place that we're totally free from any bondage that would come our way and walk into a place that we have favor, favor on our life, that when you walk into a room, the presence of God goes into the room with you. That when you're going in to sign a contract, you're going in to make a sale, you're going into a, a new job uh, application, that the favor of God comes upon you, that you're the only one noticed in that room. The favor of God. This is what the favor of God will do. He'll open up doors. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. He'll cause a river in the midst of a desert place. He will, he will cause you to spring forth, as the word says, in moments where that you think that there's no hope. We don't know what we're going to do. You know, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to re rely upon the hand of God working in my life. I'm going to rely upon God doing great and marvelous things in my life. We, we find that uh, God was preparing them. They went through Passover. They, they're, they're going through the first stages of their journey, going into Egypt. And, and, and we begin to see that the route that they brought was safer than the, than the short route. They brought them through the desert roads towards the Red Sea. In fulfillment of what God had spoken to them that they would cross over into the promised land. It's interesting how that they uh, came to a place where they thought there was no hope, but God showed up again. God showed up. And, and in God showing up, Moses has the command of God. God begins to speak to Moses, and he tells Moses as Pharaoh is just about to approach Israelites again and fear. You can imagine the fear that's taking place in their life. Their hearts are racing. You know, uh, uh, they're stressed out. We don't know what we're going to do. And Moses stands up on a, a place that everyone can see him and he stretches forth his rod. His rod was a representation of an anointing. His rod was a representation that God was using what was in his hand to open up doors. I guess I have a question for you. What's in your hand? You know, Capital One says, what's in your wallet? <laughs> I'm saying, what's in your hand? Because God wants to use what's in your hand. He doesn't need to bring something far off into your life to bring his presence or to do what he wants to do. He wants to drop a word in your heart and he wants to use what's in your hand. He says to Moses a while back, he says, Moses, what's in your hand? He said, a rod. He said, take the rod and throw it down. And the rod became a serpent. And then Moses turns and runs. I'd run too. What was this thing in my hand? And God says, catch him by the tail. And he caught him by the tail and it became a rod again. And God began to go through some exercises with Moses. Put your hand in your, in your, uh, in, on your chest and he pulls it out and his hand was leprous. He said, put it back. And all of a sudden he's seeing that his hands was carrying something that was abnormal. I say abnormal, abnormal to mankind, abnormal to people. People had doubt, people had unbelief, people were so entrenched in believing that the only way that you can do anything is the way the world system says to do it. You know, it, you, you get in the stock market, you invest low, and you, you sell it high, and all these kind of things, and we're taught all these things that we need to get up, we need to go do our work. We, we need all that kind of stuff. We need to understand that stuff. But God has a different way many times. And he wants to use what's in your hand. He wants to take that rod that you're carrying, 
the anointing that's in your life. You say, well, I don't know if I've got an anointing. Oh, you've got an anointing. You've got the faith. In fact, the word says that, that God when we, that gave every person a measure of faith when they came into this world. Now, it's up to us to build that faith. It's up to us to increase that faith. Throughout Scripture in the New Testament, you find Jesus saying, Oh, ye of little faith. And then he speaks to a woman. He says, You have great faith. How did you get here? Little faith, great faith. It's believing God what he says. And when you believe God what he says, like Moses, you can lead people into a place that they can have peace and they can have joy in their life. I think it's interesting uh, in this, throughout the story, how that God begins to work his people and he begins to work the world to show who he really is. He gets the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of their bondage and brings them to a place that they're trapped. They have no way out. Pharaoh's behind them. The Red Sea is in front of them, and Moses stands up with a rod, and the waters begin to part. And the word says that they walked over on dry ground. Now, if it was me in that moment, I don't know if I'd be doing much walking. I think I would be kind of hightailing it across because you've got a wall of water on both sides. You've got uh, Shamu on one side and you've got shark life on the other side and, and all of them's looking at you. So now and then you turn around and you got Pharaoh behind you. It's time to move. It's time to go. You know, God shows you exactly the time when to move. He shows you the exact time when you need to go forward because it's not all about you. It's not all about your request, but he will answer your prayers, but he will also show you, not only show you that he's God, but he's wanting to show everybody that's watching you that he's God also. So he wants to increase your business. He wants to increase your household. He wants to bring peace in your life. He wants to bring joy in your life, not just for you, but for everybody that's watching behind you that's looking at your life. You say, well, nobody's looking at my life. You'd be surprised at people that are watching you. Be surprised at people that are observing what's go what you're going through and what's taking place in your life. And they want to see how you're going to get out of it, how you're going to overcome the problems. You know, you get a bad diagnosis from the doctor and all of a sudden people begin to panic. How can you have peace in the middle of a diagnosis that says or potentially can take your life how can you have that peace it's knowing your god knowing what he says knowing that he is your healer that he is your deliverer that he's the one that's going to bring into your life what you need but he's also trying to show some people that don't have that kind of faith what your god can do i think it's amazing how that god wants to bring into our life, and he wants to show out and show off. So he began to harden Pharaoh's heart, and Pharaoh began to pursue the children of Israel. I think, it, I think it's very interesting that God works on us, and he works on our enemies. And God brings them, leads them for a purpose, to trap them in the Red Sea. The Israelites cross over, Miriam... Moses' sister, she has her tambourine. They're singing praises to God. And all of a sudden, they turn around, and all the chariots and all the soldiers are in the middle of the Red Sea. And they're wondering, when? <laughs> when is this going to end? Because they're walking over on the same dry ground that we just finished walking over on. God opened up the way for us to get in, but our enemy is right behind us in the same path that we were in. Then all of a sudden, somebody say all of a sudden, God did something amazing to the point that they begin to see the bodies of the Egyptian army floating up on shore. Man, what a moment. What a moment that was taking place in this time, in this season. And I believe that we're in that time and we're in that season once again, that God is going to show out. He's going to show off. And it's not what it looks like. 
but God is setting it up. And when we understand what God is doing, we can walk in peace and know that God is about to orchestrate some things that is going to astound the whole world. That the whole world will begin to see the God of every believer that stands in faith knowing that what his word says is going to come about. So there's an old song that used to be sung in church. Why should I worry? Why should I fret? And and that's the question we need to ask ourselves. If we are serving the true and the living God, why should I worry? And why should I fret? Why should I get concerned about all the things that are around me? All I need to do is concern myself about what God is saying. And keep my belief system in God. God, you do your thing, and I'm going to follow you. God, I'm following you now, and I'm not going to change my mind. I'm going to follow you then. I believe that the next few months are going to be interesting months. I believe that we're going to see some highs, and we're going to see some lows. I believe that we're going to come to a place where that we're going to wonder, what in the world am I doing right here? How did I get here? I've got the Red Sea in front of me and I can't swim that thing. And I've got the enemy right behind me and Lord knows I can't fight them. God, all I can do is rely upon you. And I believe that come a portion of the early part of this year, there's going to be some breakthroughs. But before the breakthroughs comes, We're going to see some dark moments. We're going to see some moments of time that's going to take place, that's going to cause fear to come upon people. I believe that there are going to be some things that we haven't seen quite like what we're going to see here in America. But I think after that moment that God begins to shine, we're going to see some peace. We're going to see joy begin to come. We're going to see... A, 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 a moment where things begin to turn how God wants it to turn, not how man wants it to turn. Some of the times that we're living in are interesting. I believe that we can equate some of the times that we're living in to this word here. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? How are we going to live? We're stuck. You know, there's an old song. Stuck in the middle with you. You know, I'd rather be stuck in the middle with God than, than anywhere else. And this is where the children of Israel were. They were in, a, in an area they couldn't go anywhere else. They were very vulnerable. They were, they were at a place that their faith was being tested. And I believe that as believers, our faith has been tested, but I believe it's going to be tested again. And I believe it'll be tested again. Our journey in life is being tested, our faith being tested to show ourselves approved, to show ourselves where we are, to show ourselves what God is doing. And and are there going to be blessings? Absolutely. I believe there's going to be astounding blessings that's going to come into believers' lives. But all that is a test also to see that if you're in the good times, are you going to rely upon him or are you going to allow your good times to dictate to where you're going? You know, you can lose it in the good times a whole lot easier than you can lose it in the bad times. And I say lose it, your relationship with the Lord, because uh, you have so much fun with the good stuff that you forget about him. And I believe that this season that we're going to see after the first quarter of this year is going to be blessings coming into the lives of people. And that is going to be another test to see if we're going to rely upon him and not rely upon what we have. You say, what are you saying today, Pastor? I'm saying this, that as we look through the scripture, we can find stories that as we're looking at it, resemble kind of where we are today. 
I've been preaching last year, talked a lot about David and Goliath, about the giants in our life, about the issues that are taking place. And David came out on the battlefield and had his non-typical weapon. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a spear. All he had was a slingshot, a shepherd boy's weapon. I think it's interesting that he was able to take a smooth stone. What others thought he would have a spear or, or have um, uh, a sword to come against Goliath. He has a non-typical weapon. He puts that smooth stone in his slingshot. So it's whirling that swing, slingshot, that slingshot around. So it's running towards Goliath, looses that stone. It cracks Goliath between the eyes and Goliath hits the ground. And David uses Goliath's own sword to chop his head off. Hmm. It's interesting how that God wants to use what's in your hand. What you have already proven in your hand. When he was working with Moses, he was proving to Moses, what, is, what was in his hand was very valuable to Moses. What's in your hand, Moses? A rod. Take it and throw it on the ground. And that rod he carried with him to the Red Sea, and he held up that rod. In other words, he held up and worked in that anointing, and the waters parted. You know, God wants you to hold up your hand and let him use what's in your hand for this journey that we're about to encounter, that we're about to move into. The destruction of the Egyptian army was quick. And God set them up, not only to show Israel that their God was going to protect them, but to show Egypt that the true and living God was with Israel. I think... Today, we need to let God do his thing. I think we need to sit back with a bucket of popcorn and watch the show because God's about to show off and he's about to show out. Do you have the peace to sit back and watch what God's doing? Do, do you have the confidence in God to let him be God in your life you know there's a difference of having to keep your hand in everything and sitting back and watching the show God has put a movie together that he's wanting his children he's wanting the believers to sit back and watch him do his thing what is this thing? He's about to show out, show off, and he's about to prove that he's not only God to a few churches, but he's the God of this universe, and he's going to show out, and we're going to see a great move of God's spirit. You know, I believe that Revelations begins to tell us, he says, in the last days, <clears throat> in the last moments, in the last time, that all mankind will be exposed to our God. They, how else are they going to see who God is just from our explanations, just from our preaching, just from all these things? You know what? We have got so much of the world in the church today that we don't look much different than the world. So how can, how can the world begin to look at the church and say, wow, look at what's going on. There's healings, there's miracles, there's things, manifestations of God's power that's going forward. I, I think for the past several years, there's almost been a quietus that's been put on the church. But I believe God is setting it up for him to show himself mighty. And it's not Brother Hocus Pocus that can get up and begin to prophesy. And it's not about the hands of people that can reach out and touch someone and heal them. It's about our God. And he's not going to give credit to anybody else. He wants all the glory for himself. And I think we've gone through a season where man has really tried to steal the glory. And God's saying, you know what? I'm going to show who I really am. And I believe we're in that season right now. 
that God's about to show himself mighty, show himself powerful. You know, today we're sitting in here and people are watching by whatever means you're watching by. And I, I think we have a moment that we can, we can begin to reflect on everything that God has done in our life and see God's hand move. But I think too many times we take it for granted. Too many times we want to put our hands in it and get involved in it when God doesn't want us involved. You know, we pray for people, God save them, God deliver them, pray for our children, God, 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 God. And then we want to get involved and bring all kinds of corrections. And I think we need to be involved in our children's life. But I'm talking about these kids that are grown now. They're married. They're on their own. You know, there's a point where that we just need to let loose and let God. But we have a tendency of wanting to get involved because we want to control the situation. And this is the season that you're not supposed to get in the way of what God is doing. Let God do what he's going to do because we don't need any more casualties. Now look, I believe the next three months, the next four months are going to be interesting. I believe we're going to see some phenomenal things take place. I believe there's going to be a moment where that fear is going to grip the hearts of many people. But we're going to have a moment after that that God is going to bring peace and he's going to bring joy back into our nation. Now's the time to start calling out to God. Now is the time because we're right in the middle of a place where that we can't swim this thing and the enemy is coming for his treasures. He's not getting me. Because there's an anointing to part the waters. And we're going to walk over on dry ground. I hope that you've gotten something out of this today. And I hope that, that it challenges your heart. I hope that it begins to open our eyes to see that there's more to what's going on than what we see. There's a lot that's happening in the heavens right now. That is astounding. And God's going to have his way. God's going God's gonna to do what he needs to do to show the world that he's God. I want to pray with you before we go off of air, and I'm going to pray with the people that are here. That God would begin to give you such peace in your heart and such joy in your heart. But cause your faith to begin to arise. That you can say, whatever God wants, that's what I want. Father, I thank you, Lord, today what you're doing in our life. I ask you, Lord, that peace come upon your people and joy come upon your people because you're all, you are our deliverer. And you're bringing us through the situations and through the storms. You're bringing us through the pandemic and all of the mandates and all of the things that have been placed that are there. Lord, this world has been pretty much paralyzed as a result of this plague. Lord, we ask you that you would bring peace and bring freedom to your people. Others, we stand to observe what you're doing. We ask you, Lord, that not only you would show us, but you'd begin to show the world how much you love us and how much you care for us. Open up doors in our life that seem to have been impossible. But Father, we ask you that you would open our lives, that we would see your presence like never before. Move upon us today, and we give you praise, and we give you glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, today, <laughs> the times we're in. We can, we can look at what's being played on, on our televisions and begin to look at it and say, my goodness, you know, this is crazy stuff. And it is, it's crazy. Crazy what's happening. We've got such division in our world that, that um, it's crazy. That's all I can say. It's just crazy. But when you go, when you step away from what you see in the natural and you start praying, that God would give you a glimpse of what he's doing, 
you can say, you know what? This is crazy, but he's real. And he's about to do some things that we have never seen before. Just sit back, pop you some popcorn, relax, and let God perform this movie that he's bringing out. And we're going to see some phenomenal things take place in this year. I'm glad 2020 is over. Amen. Amen. I'm glad we're in 2021 now. God bless you. We love you. Brother Derek's going to come and lead us in communion this morning. All right. Good morning. We're going to get ready to prepare to uh, take communion this morning. And, um, you know, the word tells us that, um, that without the shedding of blood, that there's no remission of sin. And so I, I kind of, in my own way, I look at communion as this great, big, it's the, the ultimate reset button that as many times as we need to, we can go to God, we can repent, we can hit that reset button, and then we can start over. You know, that was one of the great things about David's life. For everything that David did that was great, there was also a lot of things that David did that were awful. He killed a man, he committed adultery, he took a man's wife, he killed a bunch of people. But the one thing about David that immediately when he did something wrong, he was quick to acknowledge it, he was quick to go to God, he was quick to repent, he was quick to push that reset button and receive that forgiveness. The word tells us in 1 Corinthians that there are many of us that are sick and feeble and are dead because we take of this cup unworthily. Inside of this blood that Jesus has shed, there's salvation, there's healing, there's peace, there's joy. Everything that you need in life is held within the blood of Jesus. We have to not look at communion as just a once a month ritual that we do because this is what we grew up doing on the first Sunday of every month and we're going to do it. We have to be intentional about the way we look at it. You, you know, this blood is our life. This, this blood is the essence of who God and Jesus is. So before we go in and we take this cup, I want us to take a minute and just examine ourselves. Take a minute to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to, to reveal to you anything that is in your, in your life that makes you unworthy to partake of this. If you have any unforgiveness, if you're, if you're holding any strife or, or, or if you hold anything against your neighbor, any, any, anything that would be deemed unholy, unworthy, we're just going to pray and we're going to ask God to forgive us. And just like the word says that you cast all your cares on him, your burdens, your issues, your problems, your whatevers, you cast on him, you cast that on him and you give it to God. You ask him to forgive you, and then you walk into this moment of remembrance of the, of the body and the blood of Jesus with an open and a clean heart. And if it's healing in your body that you need, I believe that as you partake in this communion, you can receive your healing. If it's peace that you need, I believe that you can receive the peace. I believe that you can receive the joy. If you're going through depression, I believe that any ailment or any issue that you have in your life, that if you would just walk in, repent, walk in with a clean heart, and you partake in this communion, that God will grant it to you. Amen? So I'm going to pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. And, and Father, we just ask that your spirit, Lord God, just examine every corner, crack, and crevice of our heart. Reveal to us, Lord, anything that is not of you, Father. And even now, Lord God, for anything that there is, we ask that you remove it from us, Lord God. We cast it at your feet on the altar, Father. We ask for your forgiveness. We thank you, Lord God, that even as the blood of your son Jesus was shed, that even is, is made to wipe out the multitude of sins, Father. We thank you for the washing of your blood. We thank you, Lord, that we will come out as white as snow, Father. 
And Father, we just repent to you right now, and we ask that you clean our hearts, Lord God. We ask that you cleanse our lips, Lord God. And Father, we just thank you that you see us as worthy, Lord God, to partake of your blood and your body. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to all partake of this communion together. And just like the word says in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, and when, and when Jesus blessed it, he broke the bread and he gave it to let us all eat. And the scripture goes on to say that this is the blood of the New Testament. Let us all partake and drink together. Father, we just thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that we can gather here today and partake of your communion, Lord God. And Father, we know that as often as we need to do it or we would like to do this, that we can come to you and we can press that reset button, Father, and we can partake of the body and blood of you, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for everything you're doing in our lives, Father. We thank you for blessing us, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that you protect the people as they leave here and, and go on their drives home, Father. We thank you, Father, that we'll be back again in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.